0: you. I love how God stands over his word to perform it. Last week we ended a series on three weeks on the empowering of the Spirit, and this morning it's just amazing how God comes and he gives us the gifts to enjoy, to come and speak to us as the church. If you missed out on last week, I want to strongly encourage you to go and make sure that you uh, listen to that message. Um, You've got to understand that you know, one Sunday is never enough to lead us through the things that God is taking us as a church community through, and when you do miss a Sunday, try and catch up. Um, it's worth worth your while, and this morning we're starting a brand new series that we're going to call The War on Wisdom, and I'm standing for a, mo- for a moment still, because in a moment I'm going to ask you to stand with me, but we're going to be journeying through the book of Proverbs, and this is the whole idea that we are in a war. Friends, and unlike wars in the world that come and go, this war has been since the beginning of time when enemy spoke a truth that he thought was true against the true truth of God, and he lured mankind into a wisdom that is other than God's wisdom, and since that time we have been at war to figure out what God's wisdom is. But we don't have to figure it out because it is in the Word of God. And for the next 10 weeks, we're going to journey through the book of Proverbs. Impossible to preach all of it. We are currently working on a reading plan that will be launched soon on YouVersion for you to do your own reading over 40 days to get through most of the book of Proverbs. And then we have amazing topics that we will be discussing here in church Um, Some will be about things like identity as a man, as a woman, as the young. We're going to talk about sexuality. We're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about our words. We're going to talk about the culture that we live in and justice and, and the gift of work, things that are relevant to all of our lives in this world. So the War of Wisdom is more than just a message or a series the war of wisdom, I believe, is a call for the church of God to stand in and upon and afresh upon the wisdom and the counsel of God as in his, is in his word. And the word speaks about soldiers in the army of God who subscribe to his army and we don't get entangled in civilian affairs, but we keep our eyes resolute on his Guidance. So, in order for us to start the series, I want to invite you, if you want to say this morning that I want to stand and ascribe myself to the army of God to say that I want godly wisdom and God's wisdom to be the fight that I fight with and fight for, can you stand with me this morning? Because I want to pray for us as a church, specifically that God would come and give us our marching orders today. Lord, thank you. That the, bat- the battle is won and the victory is ours because of Jesus Christ. We know in the end, Lord, as we have sung, Father, this morning, that there is a heaven, there is a place, Lord, where all will be restored, where your endless light dwells, where there is no night, where there is no pain, but there is no sorrow. Lord, and as we are in between, the kingdom has come and yet to come. It has come in part, not fully yet, Father. We walk in this earth, and it is our call as your children to fight the battle of faith, to fight the good fight of faith in a world that so needs to yield the wisdom of God so I pray Lord for every heart that says this morning I am ready to be defined again by the wisdom of God's word and you would lead us that these won't just be messages that we won't just be reading the the words and the devotions father but that you would come and that you would raise up an army father that fights this war of wisdom knowing father if we go to your word we can find all the answers we need and I don't care what the world thinks or say, even if it comes with intimidation, we are people of the word of God. Thank you for the sword of your word, that you have given us the weapons of our warfare. So show us and teach us in this season how to fight this war. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all say Amen. Amen. All right. <clears throat> Today our world with all its philosophies and culture and opinions and ideas have really come and tried to misconstrue the body of Christ. If you have the time to get a little bit of a closer look to this design, you'll see that this church is trying to be bent out of shape, but inside of this little building is the endless light of God still shining. And because of the war that we are in in this world and all the philosophies and things around us Some of us as Christians have even found our own truths in trying to discern what God's way is a little bit misconstrued, a little bit out of shape. I believe God will put us back in shape. He will keep the firm foundation of his word in our hearts if we let him to do so. It's time for us to reclaim the truth of God's word. It's time for us to reclaim what he said in his word and that that is the only standard by which we embrace this world and live in this world. It's time for us to say no to the empty philosophies and deceit as Paul Paul calls it in in the letter to Colossae to say no to that and say only yes to the truth of God's wisdom. It's been said that words create worlds So the words that we use and the things that we do and the things that we believe create the world that we live in, kind of becomes our own world that we are in. I find it interesting um, to just see on social media, I'm not on any social media actively, but even on WhatsApp statuses, the stuff that people who say that they are Christians post and believe, all these little quotes and, and cliches that's out there that has kind of become a way of life for many, and I look at it and I'm like, have you ever thought whether that is actually in the Bible? We have to check what we believe. We have to check what we say. We have to check how we think and make sure it's aligned to God's wisdom. Otherwise, it will be a losing war in our own lives. Some of us will get to that breakthrough that was prophesied this morning, but maybe today there's a realignment to the word of God that's needed that will get you through to the other side. It's not something that God will do from his side because he's done it all. It is for you to say, God, I'm aligning to your truth. I'm not gonna let these whispers of the culture around me decide how I think about your truth anymore. A war, in essence, is a war against half-truths, and health truths. Health truths are those things that seemingly are okay and they're good. But if you look a little bit deeper, it's not aligned to the word. And it's not quite what the whole counsel of God's word is saying. And then there's the truth that the enemy has bought. He's health's truth, which is a false truth, which is a lie, and that is constantly against us. So let's investigate a few of these. And I'm gonna allow myself to go down a little bit of a route of saying what I've seen on social media. (laughs) But we've got these slight off quotes and cliches, and many of them are very well known today. Um, But have we thought through that, and is that truly God's wisdom? Because somehow, for many who believe in God and says, I'm a Christian, they claim this as biblical truth. That's a half truth. It's not the full truth. Something like God will not give you more than you can handle. (laughs) Guilty of quoting that? Where in the Bible is that? Isn't that what the whole story of faith is about? That we are weak and he is strong? Isn't that what the whole story of believing in a God that's greater than our circumstances is about? So he comes, and when we go through things we cannot handle, he comes with the empowering of his spirit and the direction of his word to get us through those things. When we are weak, he is strong, and his perfect power is made perfect in weakness. So, so many times in life, we do have those things that we cannot handle. But there's a God, a sovereign one who says, my children run to me and I will get you through to the other side. Because this is what your faith is made for. Otherwise, why do we learn and practice our faith if we don't get to those places where we've got to say, with God it's possible to get through this situation. And with him and him alone. Let go and let God. That is Psalm 159 verse 2. If you know your Bible, you'll know that there isn't a Psalm 159. Let go and let God. Half truth. I'll tell you why. Because, yes, there's a sense of trust that he is sovereign and we let him go. But what it has caused in so many that I've seen is is an apathy and a lethargy and a comfort. Like, you know what? Let God just do what He does, and let things just happen. Where I'm saying, no, Church, we are called to advance the kingdom. We are called to stand on His truth. We are called to proclaim truth. We are called to be bringers of truth. I'm going to partner with God, and let me and God get to the things that we need to get to. You see how a half truth can shape our world. God only helps those who helps Himself. I'm glad you're laughing. That's Benjamin Franklin. It's not in the Bible. We all needed help, and we couldn't help ourselves, but he sent a Savior. You see how these half-truths shape us? Especially when we see someone in desperate need, like, "Ah, oh, they're not doing anything, so I'm not going to help. Justifying our wrong ways, where God has called us to be the people of light and hope to the hurting and the broken, half-truths shapes our world. Oh, I love this one. If your dream is not scaring you, it's not big enough. <laughs> or the one that we grew up in our generation, if you can dream it, you can You can do it. Who was the biggest, biggest dreamer in the Bible that we know about, supposedly? Joseph. What was his dreams about? It was never about him. It was about that moment that he could save his own family because he went through years of difficulty. That sounds like Disney. If you can dream it, you can do it. Maybe we have adopted the wisdom of Disney over the wisdom of the Bible. And how does that fail for people who don't have the opportunities that I have? Who are in circumstances far more difficult than mine. They might have the wildest dreams in the world. But opportunity never knocks at their door. And if we make this truth, people hurt because of it. That's half truth. They're out there, guys. We've got to ask, did God really say this? Is this truly in his word? And therefore, we have the word. And if we don't know, we don't quote it, and we think about it, and we go to the Bible, and we try and figure it out. And if you need to, you can Google it. <laughs> is it in the Bible? This <laughs> so is exciting, right? We're going to win this war with conviction and with humor. In Jesus' name, amen. The second one is health's truth. Hell's truths. Thank you, Jesus, for helping me speak like an Englishman today, not like an Afrikaans boykie. There's the truths that hell wants to bring to us. He's truth, which is all lies. It is all false. He is the father of lies. And again, we see that right at the beginning, and it usually comes in a few ways. It comes with, did God really say it comes with doubt, and isn't that the mantra of the cultural world out there? Does the Bible really say that? Hmm. No, maybe it says this, and in cultural context, it not no, it doesn't say that. The Bible says it, and it's given to us in plain form, and I believe the Bible is written for the most simplest of people to read it and understand and what it says. So the enemy loves coming, and the culture loves coming. Like, did God really say, is that really Jesus' heart? The other one is not the the one of doubt, but dismissal to what God says will happen. The enemy comes to Adam and Eve and he says to them, you will not die. I dismiss what God says. No, it's no truth. There is no hell. Hell doesn't exist. Some of the things that we hear today. And then there's the word of deception. You will be like God. If you listen to me and my truth, you'll become like God. You'll become your highest truth, and then your truth is ultimate truth, and there's no more transcendent truth. There's no more sovereignty that you submit under. Isn't that the message of the world today, the message of individualism? I am my highest truth, and what my truth is is what I'm going to hold on to, and I'm going to decide how I live my life. Where's lordship in all of that? The truth of God defining his people. Are you saying amen or are you saying amen? So this morning we're going to start speaking about his truth. I've showed you the health truths, I've showed you health truths, but we are going to be about his truths and the Proverbs journey will help us see what his truths are on things that has become misconstrued in our culture today. This was a big birthday week Not because it was my birthday on Thursday, which it was. Happy birthday, Pierre. But it was a big birthday week for this lady, Johanna Mazibuko, who lives in Klerksdorp. But not only was it a big birthday week for her, it was a big birthday week for the whole world because she'd 128 years this week. She is now being submitted as the oldest person to ever live recorded On the planet. We know that in the Bible there's those other guys that got to 900 years before God changed it. But you know, since Guinea's Book of World Records started, 128 years, South African lives in Clarksdorp. Go and treat yourself and go read the articles about it, but watch the interview. Because they asked her, they asked her, Gogo, how did you get this old? What's your secret? Obviously, the world wants to know what the secret source is to get that old. And she said, you know what, I didn't eat any sugar, I exercised every day, I had a few Botox visits. (laughs) You know what she said? She said, by the grace of God and because I honored my parents. She claimed what the Bible says. Because if you read the commandments and the Ten Commandments, you will find that when God said, honor your parents, it is the first commandment that comes with a promise. And that promise is so that you will have long life. So here she sits in a world today that says, no, we've got all these tricks to become really old. And she says, no, there's an old trick. And it's not a trick, it's a truth. It's the word of God. I have honored my elders and that's the secret to long life. And it's in the Bible. In fact, it's in the, New Te- uh, the Old Testament there where it's given to us, but then quoted by Paul in Ephesians 6, he says, this is the first commandment that comes with a promise. So honor your parents. Such wisdom from the elderly who said that there's God's truth. And in this world where there's a war on wisdom, I'm gonna stand in that. And I look at that, and you know what comes to mind when I see that beautiful face and go watch the video because the way she speaks and carries herself is so full of God's light it is this proverb the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn which shines brighter and brighter until full day we are invited in this world to shine amidst all these things around us Paul writes to Timothy in, the, in his first letter and he, he kind of comes to the, the end of his, his, um, his letter and he says, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, just pause there, is God the only sovereign in your heart? The only thing above everything else in your heart still? He speaks about Jesus Christ, he says, he is the blessed and only sovereign, The King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, nothing else has it, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be the honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As we walk in God's wisdom, that unapproachable light comes closer to us and our journey as the righteous becomes brighter and brighter until the full light of day. And today in this world, we've got to live there with that light of his kingdom upon us like never before. And the way there is through knowing God's wisdom. How do we start? We start with the fear of Yahweh. The fear of the Lord. And I particularly chose to put in there the fear of Yahweh because for some even the word the Lord has become something of a mixed bag of things. But Yahweh is the God of the Bible. Yahweh is the one who has revealed himself to man and through the Israelites and through the story, he is the one. And every time we read our Bible and it says the Lord with capital L-O-R-D, we can replace it with the word Yahweh because that's how it was written. It's the fear of Yahweh. That's where our journey starts. This is the one secret weapon we have to face this world and this war is the fear of the Lord, the fear of God. In fact, it is a very simple thing. I love how the Bible keeps things simple, but just to encourage us out of Proverbs 1, verse 7, because it starts there, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. But not only do we have Proverbs, but there's two other books in the Bible that's considered wisdom literature. It's the book of Proverbs the book of Ecclesiastes, and the book of Job. And wisdom literature is given to the word and to the church to show us the whole counsel of God. And if we go through all the wisdom literature books, we'll find that in each three of these, the fear of the Lord is considered the only way to true wisdom. Let's read again in Proverbs 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One Is insight. Do you want wisdom? Do you want insight? Well, it starts with the fear of the Lord. Let's go to the other wisdom book, Ecclesiastes twelve. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. What is my purpose? Well, if you can dream it, you can do it. In Ecclesiastes, the author struggles with life. At some point he says, it's all meaningless. All these struggles, work, toil, good things, fun, all these things are meaningless. And there he says it, he concludes by saying, the end duty of man is to fear the Lord, to keep his commandments. And then in Job, where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? From where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? And God said to man, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil, that is understanding. We see the pattern of the fear of the Lord in Scripture. And I want to explain to you quickly how by these stories we can be understanding a little bit more deeper what it really means. Because for some of us, even for me, even in preparing, it often feels like an abstract idea. But right in the beginning of the story, we see when God uh, introduced himself to Moses at the burning bush, what happened? Moses fell down in fear. In Isaiah's vision, in Isaiah chapter six, when he saw God in his fullness, he was fearful. In Daniel's vision, when he saw the strong Son of God, he said, I had no more strength in me. In Job's repentance, when he turned his heart to God in his difficult times, after his friends were giving him all these half-truths, he said, I see God in his holiness, I despise myself and I repent. And that's just naming a few instances where God showed himself to man. But let's go to the New Testament because there it is too. When Mary saw the angel bringing the news of the Savior, she fell down with fear. And the angel said, fear not. When Simon Peter caught the fish in Luke chapter five, after Jesus said, throw down the net to the other side and he pulled up the fish, what were his words? He said to Jesus, depart from me for I am a sinful man. He felt the fear of the Lord. In Mark chapter four, when Jesus calmed the storm and he said, peace be still, his disciples were in complete awe and they said these words. They were filled with great fear saying to one another, who is this? And then there's John, the beloved disciple, the one that, if we read Scripture, has laid his head on Jesus' breast at the last night of the supper. He sees a revelation of Christ in Revelation chapter 1. And when he sees God, he says this. When he sees Jesus, he says this. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, fear not. I am the first and the last. So we wanna understand what the fear of God might feel and look like. We've got the stories to tell us. But in all these instances, when that fear comes and you feel like dead, you feel like your strength is leaving you, you feel like you are worthless, then the words of God's grace, the words of his love, the words of his affirmation comes and he says, Fear not. And it's in that place where these two worlds come together that the fear of God lives. My definition of the fear of the Lord is probably one that will keep growing. But if I had to think about it deeply myself, it would be this. In light of his worth, it is a deep desire to know, to intimately know his will and worshipfully walk in his ways in light of how terrifying he is and how all-powerful he is because when he introduced himself to his people the first time in Mount Sinai, it was terrifying and all the people wanted to run away and say, ha-ha, uh-uh. And then he responds with grace. So in light of that worth, that he is that big, that large, that sovereign, that almighty, that all-powerful. In light of that, that he would be as close as me saying, Jesus, I need you today. In light of that worth, the fear of the Lord is a deep desire to intimately know his will and to worshipfully walk in his ways. Simple as that. To know his will not the world's will, not our own will, but his will, and then to walk in his ways. So let's go back to the book of Proverbs, and we're gonna look at three things briefly. And I want you to go and study this a little bit more, but we're gonna find, first of all, the portrait of the fear of the Lord. What does it look like in the book of Proverbs? Proverbs gives us a full picture. It gives us a painting. It says, those who fear the Lord will look like this. I love that message that Elena shared this morning, that scripture, which is not in my notes. So thank you, Jesus, for giving us even more. But the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. It is a fountain of life. There's another picture to add to this portrait. But Douglas O'Donnell, an author that I read this week, He summed it up like this, and this summary is based on all the verses and proverbs that speaks about the fear of the Lord. He says, the fear of the Lord is a continual, humble, and faithful submission to Yahweh, which compels one to hate evil and turn away from it, and brings with it rewards far better than all earthly treasures. The reward of a love for and a knowledge of God, the rewards of a long life, confidence, satisfaction, And protection. Isn't that beautiful? First of all, the fear of the Lord is continual. Proverbs 23, verse 17. Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord every day. There's a daily opportunity for us to live in that awe of his worth and say, I want to know your will and I want to live there. That is what it is to live in the fear of the Lord. Secondly, it is to hate evil. Not play around with it. Allow a little bit of it, a little bit, I don't want to use practical examples, I can But we know, and the Spirit will show us. I can speak about Netflix. Now, I'm not going to talk about Netflix today. But do we hate evil? Hate evil. Do we hate it? That's the fear of the Lord. That it's so anti-God that I can't even dabble in it a little bit. It's so not His way. It is so full of filth and witchcraft and darkness, and evil, that I'm not going to play around with it. Proverbs 8, verse 13, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Not only that, but to turn away from it, to repent from it. Verse 6 in chapter 16, the fear of the Lord, by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. Let's carry on. It's better than earthly treasures. Oh, that's beautiful. Proverbs 15 verse 16, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and all the troubles with it. Not only that, but it's a love for the knowledge of God. We read that in chapter 2 just now, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom. Not only that, it is long life. We spoke about that. Chapter 10, verse 27 says, the fear of the Lord prolongs life. And then not only that, and I don't have time to get through all of these, but it's confidence, it's satisfaction, it is protection, and all of these things is the portrait of the fear of the Lord. Do you now understand it a little bit better? Do you realize that that's the way and the life that God has for us? Do you wanna live there? Because when I read that statement, I wanna live there. I want to know his worth, I want to know his ways, and I want to walk in it with a worshipful life. The portrait of the fear of the Lord is clear, but not only the portrait, how do we get there? What is the path to the fear of the Lord? So let's linger in Proverbs chapter two for a little bit. I'm gonna read verses one to five. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. There's a path to get to the fear of the Lord. And it's super practical. And this is Solomon writing to his sons, but it speaks a little bit and echoes a little bit about God the Father through Jesus, the ultimate one that showed us wisdom, what it is to live in wisdom. And today we can read this as if it's God saying this to us. My son, my daughter, if you wanna get to the fear of the Lord, let me help you get there. First of all, receive my words. How's your heart when the Bible opens? Is it in a position of receiving? Maybe sometimes we go through it. It's just a duty. Got to read a few verses. But is our heart shaped to receive? Secondly, when you receive it, are you treasuring it? Are you making that the ultimate discovery of the day? The ultimate thing that you build your life around? The thing that is more worthy than anything else? Are you making your ear attentive wisdom saying God I want to hear what you say your opinion your voice not all the voices of the world you see so practical are you inclining your heart to it because you can receive the word and you can try and treasure it and you can open up your ear and hear it but unless your heart is bent towards it and says God I want this in my life you're not going to find the fear of the Lord do you call out for it When last did you cry out to God and say, God, I need wisdom. I need it desperately. As the book of James says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask Yahweh, and he will give without reproach, without holding back. He would love to lavish that on you. And you know where we find it? It's right here, friends. And it's in the counsel of many. And it's in community. And it's through the empowering of his spirit. But we start here. I have told this story before, I think it's funny, I'm going to tell it again. A friend of mine tells me, his dad is a pastor, and he was in a season where he felt distant from God, and he says, I don't know what God wants from me, and he's crying in his room on his knees, and the next moment he felt something hit his head, and his dad threw a Bible at him, to his head, and says, well, here it is, go read, and you might just find out. I'm not going to throw Bibles this morning, so you don't have to coos, I promise you. Is our heart inclined to hear? Are we calling out to it? Are we raising our voice to say, God, I need wisdom. I seek it. I search for it. Because if we do these things, we will understand the fear of the Lord. Then it doesn't have to be abstract and complex anymore. Then it's as simple as practical ways to live your life and believing what His truth is. But not only in Proverbs chapter 2 do we get the path to the fear of the Lord, we also get the promises. That comes with the fear of the Lord, because that is the God that we serve, one that comes with these ways and says, "But if you, then I. If you walk in these ways, here's my partnership with you. I am a covenant God. I come and I step into your world and I make covenant with you. And in this relationship, there's one that will always keep covenant and that is me. So my covenant promises, my steadfast love towards you will remain. So when we find the fear of the Lord, it comes with so many promises. Proverbs 2, verse 6 to 8. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield for those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity Every good path for wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant for your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil from men of perverted speech. Isn't he so powerfully and beautifully always lavishing on his people? Just listen to the cadence of this again. You will understand righteousness. It is possible to live there like Claude encouraged us today to know that I am right before Jesus. That is a revelation that comes through his word, but the spirit bringing witness. You will understand it. You will understand what is just And what the equity of God is, you'll understand every good path, but he gives more. Wisdom will come into your heart through his spirit, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. When you find the way of God, even though it's hard because the world might oppose you, it'll be pleasant to your insight because that is God's way. Discretion will watch over you. Thank you, Lord. Understanding will guard you. Delivering you from the way of evil. From men of perverted speech, from the half truths and from hell's truths, that's the promise of finding the path to the fear of the Lord it comes with a payout and with a promise. And to further encourage us, let's go to the New Testament that echoes what was written here 2 Corinthians 6: "For we are the temple of the living God." As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst. Pause. Whose midst? Go out from the midst of the evil doers and the evil, those that are against God. Go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean things. Then I will welcome you and I will be a father to you. And you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. It's throughout the story of the Bible. It's not just an Old Testament idea. Here it is loud and clear. And the invitation today to the church in Corinth. In a world where they lived, where society and culture and philosophy wanted to warp the truth of God. These were the church people that got this letter. He says, Remove yourself from that darkness. Give yourself to me completely. Then I will welcome you. I will be a father to you. You will be my sons and my daughters. And since we have these promises, beloved, because he loves us. Since we have these promises, let's turn away and cleanse ourselves from any wickedness. That is his truth for his church today. His truth in order to win this, this war on the wisdom of God that we find ourselves in is to say, God, I incline my heart to you again. I want you to welcome me as a father. I want to be your son and your daughter. I want you to be the defining voice, defining my identity, defining how I should live, defining what I need to hear. And where does this leave us all this morning? To echo David in Psalms 130 verse 4. But with you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. How do we get back in our own lives to the fear of the Lord? It's embracing his forgiveness again. That's how much he loves us. That he gave his son, that he realized that we're going to walk through this life and the wisdom of the world is going to pull us away from the word of God. But therefore, Jesus died on the cross, the one who fully showed us what a life of wisdom looks like, so that we can come and say, forgive me. And because of that forgiveness, we get into this endless circle of the fear of the Lord. And because of the fear of the Lord, we repent. And then there's the forgiveness that takes us back to the fear of the Lord. And then we can echo what was written by John Newton. It was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. Isn't that powerful? It's the grace of God that teaches us the fear of the Lord. In all of this, it is showered with His grace. So you might be sitting here this morning like I was sitting before the Lord so many times this week. When I read that verse in 1 Timothy 6, the only sovereign the Lord got me into a corner and says, Pierre, am I the only sovereign in your life? And You might be sitting here saying, I have followed some half-truths. I've even created my own. Helena told me this week of a friend of ours who posted on social media, one that we know believed before. We don't know whether that's the case today, but the post was this. I look up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from inside. A new truth. Sad, right? For a moment, the Spirit of God convicted me. Pierre, but don't you live there sometimes? You will figure this out. You will make a way. You will find the truth. Your truth. You are that good. You are that intelligent. And that's where we say, God... We bow before the sovereign one, the all in all. How great your love is. I believe this morning as I was preaching, because that's what I was praying, is that the Holy Spirit would convict each heart this morning of where you have been living. Because there's a war for us to win, and we can win it because 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on the cross, and his grace is now equipping us to live in the wisdom of God was grace that taught my heart to fear. And that same grace has relieved my fears. It's relieved the terror so that when he comes, I can stand fully gazing upon his glory and saying, Jesus, I'm coming home. Let's close our eyes. Lord, I pray for your church this morning. You have been speaking so clearly throughout this service in our songs through your spirit, through the gifts, and now through your word. Lord, we can't but say thank you that you are a God that speaks continually the whole time. Forgive us, Lord, for the times where we have stopped our ears, where we haven't listened, where we've doubted whether you speak. Forgive us, Lord, where our own ways and our own wisdom, or maybe the wisdom that we've adopted in this broken world we live in has determined how we live and walk. Lord, as we are on the start of this journey as a church, going through this book of Proverbs, Lord, teach us daily, daily, Lord, teach us daily the continual way of living in the fear of God, the fear of your truth. And when we are out of sync that that fear would come and lead us to repentance. Knowing that it is a kind fear because it's the kindness of God that shows us our wicked ways. Like Andre said, search me, O Lord, and show me if there is anything inside of me Lord and thank you for not only the portrait of what it looks like to live in the fear of the Lord Lord but thank you that you've given us the path there in the book of Proverbs that it's practical that we can linger uh, uh, ask for it that we can incline our hearts for it that we can listen for it that we can cry out for it Lord and thank you father that it's filled with promise and thank you Lord as you spoke prophetically, some of us will find our breakthrough father as we align our hearts to your truth this morning. I want you to take a moment with the Lord and say, Spirit of God, teach me the fear of the Lord. Teach me the way everlasting. Pray and speak to him for a moment. And listen to what he has to say to you. Lord, my last prayer is this morning that those of us who felt like our own ways have taken us on a big detour and you have come this morning and you showed us your grace and the way of the cross and says, come back, that we would take that step, Jesus. And I want to give you an opportunity as the eyes are closed, to just say, yeah, the Lord has been speaking to me. I've been going down my own roads, but I want to come back. You just put your hand up and take it down and says, that's me. Thank you. Is anyone else? Thank you, Lord. Anyone else? Lord, I pray for my friends. I pray, Jesus, as you prayed just before you left and says, Lord, keep them safe in this world. Keep them from this world. Lord, because we live in it, that's the truth, that's the reality. But Jesus, you prayed for us. And you said, Father, will you keep them safe? Let them not be contaminated by the world. So I pray this morning for those who says, Lord, I want to take my steps right back to you. And walk in step with you. Will you lead them there? Kindly through your love and your grace, and we lead them there powerfully through the truth of your word and through the gift of repentance, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that at the cross you deal with all our wrongs, that you have taken our record of wrongs and you've nailed it to the cross. Lord, thank you that we can come back to the cross not only once but daily to give up our things and ask for your ways. And we pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Friends, I want to encourage you. Go and read Proverbs 2, 1 and 2. Go read 1 and 2 today. Take your time, slowly, prayerfully. Ask the Lord to continue to speak to you. And uh, when our reading plan becomes ready, we will let you know. But we will be back here next week. For another moment to further our journey in the book of Proverbs. Over to you, Sam. Thank you.